0: Welcome to Open to Hope Radio with your host, Mother Daughter Team, Dr. Gloria, and Dr. Heidi Horsley. This show is brought to you by the Open to Hope Foundation, with the mission of helping people find hope after loss. This show has been edited for your convenience. Now, Open to Hope Radio. Yesterday, as you said, Mom, is Susie Peel, and our topic is Death to AIDS, Finding Healing, and Hope. Susie Peel lost several friends to AIDS in the '80s and volute- volunteered in end-of-life work. She organized the World AIDS Conference in Geneva in 1998 and the African AIDS Conference in Nairobi in 2003. She has worked for children orphaned by AIDS in Africa. Welcome to the show, Susie. Thank you very much, Heidi, and hello, Gloria. Hi, Susie. It's great to have you on the show today, and uh, we're looking forward to hearing about your expertise and. Uh, and how you were living over in uh, Europe when this whole AIDS devastation came about?
1: Um, well, I was a young professional, I was a teacher, and several of my friends and colleagues started getting sick and dying, which isn't what you expect of people who are in their you know, late 20s, early mm-hmm. 30s. And we were all discovering
0: And and no one really knew what it was. I was working in a hospital at the University of Rochester, and you know what we were doing? We were gowning up and putting masks on. Mm -hmm. I mean, nobody knew what was going on.
1: Well, we knew it was something different, and we weren't sure what people were ill with and how they'd gotten it. And um, I had been a teacher for a long time, and I realized as I understood more about how this virus goes from one person to the next – I would rather be teaching that to young teenagers than teaching them English as a foreign language, history, geography, all of which I enjoyed very much. So um, what we learned was that it, this virus, HIV, that does indeed, as you said, suppress the immune system is transmitted through bodily fluids. And it's primarily a sexually transmitted disease, which is why those masks and so on have become less uh, relevant now that
0: we understand And we're not so afraid of being around people who Mm -hmm. are HIV positive anymore.
1: Exactly. There's really very little that that we can get without getting very, very intimate. Um, However, since it is uh, through sexual relations, there are occasions when people have trouble talking about this and they really shouldn't. The countries where we've done best in preventing the epidemic or limiting it are the countries where it's become part of social discourse, where there are billboards and opportunities to talk about it in schools, in churches, in homes, in any community setting where work, workplace programs address this issue.
0: So there's not so much the stigma then for families after the person dies either if it, if it's been talked about because in the past uh, and I'm sure it does somewhere. What are your thoughts about the stigma of it in in uh, the United States, say, compared with Africa for the families after the death? Well, we're
1: we're making a lot of progress. I think at the beginning um, there was the fact that we didn't know, so we were very afraid. And then there was a second phase where it seemed to be primarily among men who have sex with men. And so any, you know, groups of people who were opposed to homosexuality felt a very strong, um, you know, rejection of that, felt that perhaps, you know, AIDS was somehow linked to doing something that they considered wrong. We now realize that this virus goes from a mother who is breastfeeding her baby through the breast milk, and surely there's nothing morally wrong about that. This is a very, very devious virus that takes advantage of all sorts of
0: basic human acts. Uh, And there's a lot of uh, heterosexual transmission in in Africa also, isn't there?
1: Around the world, it's primarily heterosexual. It's uh, men and women having sex together. And it seems to transmit more from men to women. And the people who are most vulnerable are young women, probably in their first sexual relations where they have no um, immunity at all to to, to, to things. But what I do want to say about stigma is there's been a lot of progress also in the communities of faith. Initially, AIDS was seen as somehow punishment for inappropriate sexuality people having many sexual partners heterosexual or homosexual um, and now the churches of the world the uh different faiths uh, Judaism uh Islam have learned much more to embrace their their community members who are Ill, who are suffering, and there are not different kinds of suffering. This is a deadly disease. It's a tragedy, and there's no way of knowing who has it and who doesn't. Mm-hmm.
0: And what about the families after? What have you, What have you seen about aftercare uh, in the United States, in Africa, and and how you know? Howdy and I are very interested in the cultural ramifications too of how people deal with loss.
1: Well, what I've seen uh, primarily in developed countries in the USA and in Europe where I was living, the first wave, what was amazing was how the people living with the virus, living with HIV-AIDS, took this on as their cause and they founded uh, peer support groups. They learned more about the disease more quickly than the medical community did. They pushed the FDA for new drugs. So it, it really transformed the relationship of the people with the disease and of the patients, quote unquote, with their care community. So mm-hmm. the first phase was a very strong community response which you get to a lesser degree with other diseases. Mm -hmm. Um, In Africa, there was a lot of pushback because there was less education, less money invested in education around this. There weren't the um, peer support groups that you had in San Francisco in the gay communities and so on. And um, there were even cases, a tragic case in 1998, which is well into the pandemic, where some a young woman in South Africa went on the radio on World AIDS Day and declared that she was HIV positive. When she went home that night, she was stoned to death.
0: Oh, my goodness.
1: And what we know is that statistically, given the high prevalence rates, the number, the percentage of people infected, is that among the people who killed her were certainly people living with the virus as well. Mm -hmm. The tragedy is that there's no way of knowing if I have the virus in my body or not until maybe five or ten years after it enters my body. I don't have symptoms right away. And um, most of the people, you mentioned these numbers of 33 million people worldwide, we don't actually know. Most of those people certainly don't know. These are projections. These mm-hmm. are statistical, um, you know, assessments of what's likely. That most people don 't know i 'd like to focus a little bit on some uh, African coping strategies around death that have been historically very robust and that around hiv aids just don 't work traditionally um, around uh, uh, the passing of a family member the um, if it was a woman dying uh, her Husband, uh, a man dying, her husband's brother inherited her as a wife. Mm. Now, if that man has died of AIDS, the wife is likely infected and she will therefore infect the brother. It's just a coping strategy that doesn't work. Another coping strategy was to have very long um funerals where really the whole clan gets together for up to 10 days and mourns and grieves and celebrates the life of the departed person and there are sort of uh, freed up sexual relations among all the people present as a tr- very ancient way to affirm life for the person who's died you're going to have more babies born to take up their spirit and and keep the family going uh-huh. now again that is a tragedy when you have this lethal sexual disease Mm -hmm. in that group of people. Well, they
0: certainly would have had ways to deal with loss because uh, they, did, they did have a lot of losses even before AIDS to infections right. and those kinds of things, so they had developed a system.
1: Right. Those were for uh, times of famine or other, other epidemics. Now, this is different. This epidemic has had literally the cities of Africa. There are weekends where you have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of funerals in a given cemetery mm-hmm. every weekend. Wow, um, it's just mind-boggling. I mean, literally, people have fifteen minutes to bury a loved one, and it's on to the next open grave. It's it's at a proportion that nobody has And really I know children understood. are left. Children are often
0: left orphaned and kind of fend for themselves.
1: Well, what actually happens is that this epidemic, being uh, sexually transmitted, is among young adults. When they die, they often leave behind a child or many children. The African family network is very, very rich and and supportive, and very few children get totally left behind. They're usually taken in by a grandmother who logically should be taken care of by her own kids, but grannies and Aunts and uncles are stepping up to the plate and taking care of millions of kids. Last I looked, there were over 12 million children who had lost one or both parents to AIDS just in Africa, more like 15 million worldwide. Now, these children are healthy. They're normal kids. What they need to do is to be welcomed into a new setting and just given the opportunity to get on with their lives, to grieve, to have memories of their parents shared with them, and then go back to school, get normal uh, play opportunities, uh, immunization, healthy food, and a healthy And And are there
0: certain rituals that kids do over time to remember those that have died? Well, often the...
1: the community and the caretakers have to pitch in if the children are too young and suddenly shunted over to auntie or grandma. Um, So one of the very beautiful rituals is the creation of a memory book Mm -hmm. or a memory box where um, the family, often the person who's dying and it takes a long time to die of AIDS. It's not a sudden death. Um, collects key mementos and writes little notes and puts photographs and uh, key documents into a special album or a box that the child can go back to as they're growing up. Because if you lose your parent when you're three, you, you have a minimal ability to 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 resurrect those memories, but as you get older, you can come back to it and learn over and over again where you come from and and you know who who gave you life. So those are oh, I love the
0: idea of the memory box. That's a great
1: yeah, a that's, great
0: idea. You know, a, you know, I'm just thinking while you're talking about how the Africans are adjusting to this, the human adaptability. Uh, that, you know, these age-old rituals need to be changed. And it sounds like they are recognizing that and making some changes.
1: Absolutely. Um, and as I said earlier, the churches are well ahead. There have been some magnificent um, Catholic, Episcopalian, um, many different uh members of the clergy who have stepped way outside the box of what they're usually allowed to do and have either gone public with their HIV status and taught their churches how to uh, help people who have this virus, or they have gone way beyond the limits of what they're allowed to do in promoting condoms, in creating hospice settings where the community can care for people who are dying because most of them don't get the life-saving medication that you were referring to earlier that uh, a wealthy American like Magic Johnson can be assured of. Right.
0: Well, tell us a little bit about what do you see um, the comparison with the way Americans deal with death just in general and compared with the way um, the uh, African countries do or the third world?
1: I I would have to um, point out that Africa is over 50 countries. There are many religions there. There are many, many, many different ways of responding. Um, And also in the USA, you'll have some communities who, who will be able to voice their grieving and embrace people who die, whatever the cause, and others who will be more fearful or have more, Pushback and stigma, um, but generally speaking, in 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 countries where people die younger, in America the average age of death is pretty advanced. We're very lucky, though. right? In
0: Africa, it's like in the forties. It's it? much
1: younger now, so people are more familiar with death, and it's less of a surprise and a shock and a oh my gosh, how could this happen? And there's an understanding that we're all going to pass away. It is the great human unifier. And um, we will all stay with our loved ones through love. And that, you know, the passing of the physical body isn't all there is to it. Um, So there is perhaps a little more familiarity, I'd say, with death. Uh It isn't as it's not hidden away in hospitals. People stay at home for care, and uh, are surrounded by loved ones. And that's that's what all of us need. It's, it doesn't always happen that way in every community in Africa, uh, in the same ways it doesn't always happen that way here. But that's that's what helps um, the the survivors really say goodbye and really express all their love, and and then. Embrace life
0: thereafter. Mm-hmm. So, uh, do you see it as a hopeful thing in Africa? Do you do you think that it uh, is getting enough play, and that and that we're um, helping enough over there?
1: I want to say it, it isn't about us helping enough. Uh, America is doing a huge amount through taxes that all of us are paying. But um, what is a problem is that this virus is way ahead of us in the States, in Africa, and around the world because it's so clever and so invisible. And we are just behind the curve. No matter what we do, we're not getting enough prevention messages out there to prevent infection. It's a very easy disease to avoid. It's not like the flu. If somebody sneezes on you, you know, at the train station or in the airplane, you're going to catch that flu. But you can't just catch this HIV. Um so it's very easy to avoid and we're not doing nearly enough we the human community to educate and prevent it and uh, And I was going to say you
0: can And to educate and then to provide the means for education for example yeah. condoms to provide those Right Exactly. people that can't afford it. Well, Susie, you know, we've got a wonderful audience, uh giving audience out there, and I know that one of the healing things in life is to reach out and help other people when you've had an experience. What if people wanted to help? What would they do? Um, I
1: would encourage them to look close by, close to home to find out what this uh, pandemic looks like in their community, in their neighborhood. Um, And that is the most direct way of really participating, because not everyone in the current environment can contribute financially, but just visiting with people, helping them with their shopping, you know, taking them to the doctor, just being with them for an hour a week or taking them to church or to temple or things like that. I would start there and then uh, lobby their elected representatives to maintain foreign aid because there is, there has been up to now very strong support from America to uh, AIDS around the world and to, to prevention, care, treatment, support of children orphaned by AIDS, and also research in the medical world, biomedical world.
0: You have been listening to Open to Hope Radio. You can sign up for our newsletter, Facebook, and Twitter on our homepage at opentohope.com.